Valued Voices is a project of Towards Understanding and Healing. Valued Voices is a project supported by the European Union's Peace 4 programme, managed by the special EU programmes body, SEUPB. We agreed with Peace 4 to develop a podcast project. Our very first podcast features Victor Montgomery. Victor shares his story of the impact of the troubles on his life and on the life of his family. Life in the UDR, especially for the families, Families of UDR personnel were placed under an awful lot of stress. Their loved ones were going out on patrol at night. They would get up and go to the works in the morning. They didn't know they were going to return. You know, the, the knock on the door. It was always, you know, waited for the, the, the phone call to say, you're, you know, your husband's been involved in, a, in an incident. Families were under an awful, awful lot of stress. And your family, your daddy, Matt, mm-hmm. and your brother, David. Mm-hmm. The extended family were, extended were members, family? yes. The one thing about the UDR, a lot of the members were, were family or family connected. It was a family thing. We lived in the Northern Estate. It was a lovely, lovely estate. It was a lovely place to live. The troubles obviously affected us. And one night there was an incident when something was thrown at the rear of the house. Three nights previously, the house had been petrol bombed. Some damage had been caused to the, the inside of the house. Following Tuesday, there was an incident where a device was thrown at the house. And my father happened to, had seen the guys out the back acting suspiciously and had his server's revolver on him. And when they threw the device, he opened fire and he missed. The device turned out to be an explosive device. When I arrived, I'd been out that night with the RUC Community Relations Disco. And when I arrived home that night, the place was surrounded by the police and the army. The very first civic week we had in the city, June of 76, I arrived and a big policeman met me at the front door. He tried to prevent me from going into the house and he got a very short shift. And when I went in, my father was sitting and there was another police officer, very, very roughly, very rudely questioning him. And I can remember telling to the RUC member, that's enough, there'll be no more questions unless you arrest him. And if you're going to question him, as a member of the Office of Defense, he's amazing title to have an officer present when you're questioning him. So there'll be no more questions. And so do you have an army officer sitting here? And I'd went out then, happened to know one of the constables and asked him what happened. And the word was, there's been a device thrown to the house and your father opened fire. And I goes, anybody hit me? He went, nope. I went, right. The next thing then arrived was the bomb disposal. And I went, right. And they went in and everybody out. We were, we were evacuated and they were sent out and it was a proper improvised explosive device in a plastic coal bucket. In a plastic? Pla- plastic coal bucket. Huh. Um, and we were evacuated. And the next morning, um, we were up early. Um, I'd taken time off work, didn't go into work. And Dad says, Dad, come back. Dad went out, come back in. And he says, that's it, we're moving. Dad worked with the Hungry Executive at the time. He's a joiner. He was a joiner of the Hungry Executive. And because he was a member of the Hungry Executive and had been intimidated, we were entitled to, to move. It wasn't because... We remember security forces, we moved because Dad was a member of the executive and intimidation. 
so they moved us very quickly. Moved from there to the fountain, and it was meant to be a temporary move. The idea was we would move to the waterside. We loved the Northern. We had well, we had bit of bother. We had trouble in it. wasn't It wasn't very serious trouble. You know, there was the odd skirmish, but there wasn't. You know, we weren't throwing bombs and bullets at each other like. What age? Uh, what age were we you? I was well. I was sixteen, seventeen. We we moved that next day. We moved practically out overnight. David got a lorry out of cases. Through the grapevine and one thing and another, we discovered that it apparently, and I use the word apparently because we never ever got proof of it, but the attack wasn't sanctioned. So we don't know how or who or what. It was done by. Would you see the attack as sectarian? Yes. Um, I see it as attempted murder. Attempted murder? Attempted murder. It was an explosive device, and if you throw an explosive device at somebody, you have only one intention. And it's a sectarian attack? Yes, of course it was. Attempted of course it was. Killed you. Um, now, let's say we moved to the fountain as a temporary move. They offered us, about three weeks after we moved to the fountain, they offered us a house in Nelson Drive which had at least half a dozen steps up to the front door. My mum was had severe arthritis, so had walking difficulties. So the steps, the front door just wasn't going to do it. We had a four bedroom house. We had a downstairs toilet. We had a lovely house in the fountain. And eventually we were allowed to stay. Mum was home. Mum was right in the fountain. My mum from the fountain. Could remind me if your mum was maiden. She was Mitchell. Mitchell, yeah. And they, they were reared in Aubrey Street. Say we were home. Where was your dad from? Dad was from Covenant Road. And we stayed in the fountain. So that's 76? 76. June time? And we carried on. Life was fine. Life was great. David's in the UDR. Dad's in the UDR. And these guys were going out at 8 o'clock at night. Working to 4, half past 4 in the morning. Coming home. Maybe getting an hour or two sleep. Going and doing a day's work. They but, were, but knowing, Victor, that whether knowing they're, that they're a target, whether they're a they're target. work in their cities or yeah. their work in the, mm-hmm. in the regiment. But, I mean, the attitude was, if, if you worry about it, you're not going to do it. So and it was hard, not just for the members, but the families too. You know, you know as I say, they're, they're, you didn't know, you know, that they weren't maybe going to come home. Mum didn't discuss, mum didn't act mum didn't say she didn't Mom say didn't. david she, yeah. no she didn't she didn't say she never once asked him to get out of it she never once interfered yeah you know she washed their uniforms she ironed their uniforms she had you know their pieces made for them she was last in her bed at night she was first up in the morning um but the stress that she was under so she maybe would have kept her stress to herself. She did, you know. I mean, God love her, she did, you know. Um, what was your, remind me of your mother's first name. Flory. Flory. Flory, you know. Um, Flory Mitchell. She was an angel. Mom was, my mother was an angel. And as I say, the pressure she was under must have been, you know. Uh, the funny thing about it, she used to say, like, uh, at, at night, you know, I know you are all home, I can hear you snoring, you know, she said, your dad beside me, she says, then David was starting the room next door, Barry would be in the middle room and I'd be in the end room, and we'd all rotate, we'd all snore in rotation, <laughs> you know, um, and a bit lighthearted that she knows that we were home, we were safe. What would have motivated 
your dad and and David to be in the UDR? They wanted to do something. They, they, they think that they wanted to help defend the country, and it was done legally. So they, Not only that, we're getting paid for. Um, but it was the legal. It was the legal route, basically. Yeah. Um, so they were one to defend the country against the Republican. But, yeah, but you've got to, you've got to, you've got terrorism. to realize, you've got to realize too. At the time when the UDR was first formed, they had Catholic members. Mm -hmm. uh, I know some very good Catholic members, Catholic families, um, who have become who have, were targets, were murdered because they were. Mm. Thomas, you know, Thomas Callahan. You know, Thomas Callahan and, and Craig. Busman like yourself, yeah, Craig. Yeah. You know. Um, who thought the same thing that you know they have to to try and defend the country yeah. against this this and the mechanics joined the UDR certainly uh, certain events didn't help you know I mean bloody Sunday was was just uh, was really turned Catholics against the the British Army yeah. and, uh, and at that stage then the provincial IRA there was a time they were targeting, it seems as now maybe they were targeting Catholic members of the PSNA um, because it, it's fears to prevent, the, the, you know, if you, if they're shooting Catholics and they're murdering Catholics, then Catholics aren't going to join. Yeah. Uh, you know, which was um, a pity. Yeah. Which was a pity. Yeah, and it still is a pity. It still that. is a pity. Yeah. You know, I know members of, 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 of members have joined, Catholic members have joined the PSNA. And their own family won't talk to them. Yeah. You know, and it's such, it's such a pity, you know, that they want to do something right and try and do something for their kids and their families and everything else. You know, I had an aunt, my aunt, God rest her, worked in a solicitor's office in Belfast when I, was, when I was leaving school. And her first word to me was, You leave school, you join the police. And I went, No, dear God, I want to join the police for. She says, Number one, they're getting their mortgages paid for. Yeah, the money the envoys were getting was unbelievable. Financial security and the present service was just, the UDR on the other hand weren't getting nothing. They were getting paid army rates. Yeah, that's it. That's all they got. There was none of this uh, mortgage paid for them or, or overtime and payment and, and and all this thrown at them. You know, there was nothing. David's working in Keyses. In Keyses mm -hmm. down the Strand. He's coming in at six, half past six at night, getting something to eat. Get the uniform ready, away. I can picture him, him and Dad getting into the car. Um, in fact, there was time we didn't have a car. We were collected. You know, they, they were they, they were actually you know, people came and collected them. And where would they go over to Clooney? Um, at that stage, but we were in Clooney. The time we were in Clooney, we lived in the fountain. So yeah. they'd have went to Clooney then, you know. But they would get into the car at night. Did away you ever away. talk to David about the risks yourself? No, because you you, you couldn't. You couldn't because you didn't want to talk about it. You just, if you started talking about it, you would have just no, that's that's not worth it. Uh, you would have realised what you were doing. <laughs> he knew the risks anyway. He knew the risks, surely. Yeah. Everybody did. Even even those of us that worked, even civilian employees, who were you know, you don't work for the you know you don't work for the crown forces. You know you don't do this. We were we were there. We were targeted. We were you know we were targeted too. And you, you did we you, care? Did we? No, we didn't care. I have t I know guys. You know that. I went to school with the number of funerals that I had to go to for friends at school who were murdered or can you think of their names? Yeah, Robert Struthers or UC Reserve 
and learn electric. You know, um, say we were at school when when David Deacon was shot in the glen, or you know, taken away and shot. His son was at school with us. You know. His son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, as I say, the number of school friends that, that lost their fathers. Um, the number of school friends that we've lost. You were at which school were you at? I was at Templemore. Templemore. then, you know, as I say, the number of times that the school had to close. You know, the school closed to, to allow us to go to the funeral. But no choice, we were going out anyway, Nick doesn't care. Yeah. Or, you know, we opened the doors, we were going out. Did David lose anyone that was close to him? I think he lost a couple of fr- friends down, on it, down, you know, the years sort of there, you know. We all, obviously, when somebody was killed, Especially in the local area. I mean, like a, like a Bobby Stott. You know, we knew, but we all knew Bobby. Well, Bobby lived in the fountain. Yeah. But I mean, we all knew Bobby. I knew Bobby through the unionists and things yeah. like that. You know, we all knew Bobby Stott. Bobby would have been killed in November '75. Yeah. That would have been before you moved into the fountain. Yeah. But you knew. Him well, we knew Bobby. I knew Bobby because of, through the unionists. Yeah. Um, but to say, you, you tended to know people. Yeah. You know. Um, even if you didn't know them that well, you still knew them. You still knew them, yeah. yeah. Bobby well, Stott was killed on November twenty fifth, nineteen seventy five. Yeah, so that's about nine months before you. Because when we heard that we we'd got the word there was a shooting in the fountain, and we thought at the time there was another member who lived down the lower fountain, and we thought it was him. That good shot. Um, he had he had two sons, both of which served as well. You know, so there were three of them in that house. Uh, I went to Bobby's funeral, yeah. Yeah. Big funeral, obviously. But, you know, you'd go to, you went to so many. 15, 16. Were you still at school? Yeah, I was still at school. Yeah. Um, when Bobby was shot. Um, I just, I'd left, I'd left school, summer of 75. When I moved to the fountain, at that stage then, it was the start of the exodus. People were moving to the waterside. The fountain was under redevelopment, so an awful lot of people had moved from the fountain to the waterside. To Lincoln Court. Whites, yes, Lincoln Court was the, was the mm-hmm. thing, anyway. The new fountain. The new something. fountain, basically. Yeah. Um, and Nelson Drive became the new Glen. Yeah. You know. Um, but people moved because of redevelopment. The problem was then the trouble started. So they weren't going to move back. I became, I wouldn't say, I was never, I don't think I was ever, ever better. Um, when I, when you moved to the fountain then, the fountain became the ghetto. The fountain became sort of our wee enclave. Yeah. Um, with the last loyalist bastion, basically, in the city. Mm. We're surrounded by, you know, the fountain was even part of the security zone. You know, you were searching, you come into the fountain. Or that's how you know that's how things were. Um, so we had this. You had the siege mentality because you were under siege. You were. You couldn't get out. I became very heavily involved in the community politics of, of the area, which was needed at the time because we were getting nothing. We were, we were going nowhere. Um, we had nothing. We had the facilities. So you know, something had to be done there. So you had to sort of push for that. You know. Did we reach out to the other side? No because the people didn't want it. The people I grew up in the fountain didn't want to reach out. All of the people didn't want to reach out. Didn't want to reach out. We had the we had the wall. We had the wall around us. Yeah. You know, and that was it. 
We're in there. That's it. And out of out of that situation, your brother is going out to work down to the thirty keys. Would he drive down? Some mornings he would have taken the car. Some mornings he would have walked. The morning he was shot dead. Dave was shot dead. He took the car to work. Where, um, where would he park then? Uh, in Keyes' yard. In the yard. In the yard. Yeah. Um, Do you remember what kind of car he had? Yeah, we had a Green Avenger. He parked drove it down. Parked, parked in the, the yard. Parked in the yard. Um, this is February. So February. I was off. I was off that day. The plan was I could nip down, grab the car, go to drum a hole, pick my dad up, bring my dad home, and then either go down and lift David, or David would walk at home. And your your dad worked for the housing executive at yeah. Drumahoe. Yeah, he worked at Drumahoe at the time. Yeah. Um, so on that day, I went down for the car, and I went in, and I knew Keys's yard like a back of my hand. I'd been there that often. And I had my own key for the car, and I couldn't find David. Couldn't see him anywhere. So I shouts to one of the guys, "Tell the big lad I've got the car. Um, I'll see him later." Get into the car, and all I heard was, "Where the f do you think you're going?" Uh, stop, David. And I goes, "Right, look, I'm away for Dad. I'll see you later. Do you want me to come down for you?" And he goes, yep. I says, well, I come the back, or do you want the front? And he says, lift me at the front. I find no bother. I'll lift you at the front. That would have been. This was at about twenty to four, to four. And those would have been your last words with mm-hmm. your brother. I drove out of the yard, um, and I still maintain to this day that they were on their way in. I still, I had visions of a white car. Next, just waiting to let me out, basically. Um, but there was the police saying no, there was no white care. But I can still see this white care. I don't know why. I keep seeing this white care. Um, I'm on my way out, so I'll go to Drumahoe, pick up my dad. Yeah. And I left my dad, and we were heading home. This was a Tuesday. Tuesday, February uh, the tenth, nineteen eighty-one. Eighty-one. And somewhere about four o'clock, five past four. Travelling down Dungiven Road, flashing lights behind me. Jesus. What's going on? So I pulled down. Couldn't get into Dungiven Road. Pulled down at Duke Street, the bus stop. And the car had built in Miami. Recognised the car, knew who owned the car. It was a, a neighbour in the fountain who just happened to be also a member of the Officer Defence Regiment. And said to me, what's the word near David? And I went, what? He says, you haven't heard? I goes, no. And Dad was in the car. I got out of the car. We'll talk to him. And he goes, I just heard your David's been shot. And I goes, what happened? And he goes, don't know. All I know, he says, there's been a shooting incident in the Strand Road. He says, your David's involved somewhere. I said, he was telling you, he said, I just left the camp. Dived into the car. Um, drove to the police station at Spencer Road. And went in to the police station. Told the guy who it was, what I wanted. And asked for the phone. And I phoned Clooney. 
phone to Sergeant Major's office. And Sergeant Major answered it and he goes, What's up? And I goes, Victor, he goes, What up? I says, What's the word in our daily? And he goes, You haven't been home? I goes, Nope, I haven't been home yet. He says, All we know, we just got words the shooting incident in the strand owned your Davis involved. I goes, Right, I'm head to Davy Gordon's. Who pull him off? Uh, if you're looking for me, I'll be there. He was hanging off up in the regiment. He would know what was going on. Um, if anything had happened to the family, they would have went to him first. They would have went straight, went straight to my dad. They would have went to him first. Because dad would have just lost it. You know. Um, so they would have went to him. You say your dad would have lost it? Dad just lost it. Would have lost, just cracked him. Dad would have went and just, you know. If dad had been carrying the gun, dad would have shot around him. So... I took the bulb with the horns. I'm driving like a madman. I'm taking corners in two wheels. Where does David Gordon live? They live in Minton Court at the time. Yeah. And I screeched up in the sister's house and I go, you're David? No, he's over with mum. I was surprised. Uh, she says, look, we don't know. Don't know nothing, but David's told to get over to my mum. He had already made his way over to our house in the fountain right. to see my mother. Yeah. Um, he had just arrived apparently before the police arrived to tell my mum. So we was there when when mum got the word. We had no phone, mum and dad. We had no phone in the house. I had a phone in neighbours across the road. And David came to the phone right enough, and I says, "What's the you know what's the word?" He says, "Look, it's just not much point in beating about the bush. Is he dead? You know that's not me. Not much point in me telling you he's all right. Like that. He's just all I can tell you he's dead. It goes right. Um." I goes fine. I says, sure, you sorry, know, you go fine. I fine. That's okay. You know, grand. That's that, that shock. I think it was. You know, what else do I do? What do I say? I remember, sort of, oh God, no, you know, no, fine. That's okay. That's grand. And putting the phone down, and I could feel the tears coming, and I thought this isn't going to go on. And then I look at the watch. At this time, it was after five, um, and I knew then that I had arranged to go and pick up. I was going with a girl on the water side at the time. In fact, we were engaged. Um, and I knew I had to go to... The, she worked up at Wedge Margaretson, to Glen Eden. And I knew I had to go and pick her up. So I had to go and get her. The funeral was arranged for the Friday. And on the Thursday night... Um, you had a visit? But I had a visit from two gentlemen who could pass me in the street today and I wouldn't know. Never knew him in my life. But obviously knew me, because they asked for me when they came in. Because somebody said to me, Victor, there's two boys looking for you. And I thought at the time they were special branch or something, you know. And come aboard, I know bother. And they go, say the word, and there's two going down for it. And I went, what? Say the word, there's two going down for it. I went, no, I want to show you something, boys. And took them out. Mum, mum and dad. Or like Derby and Jones, Mum was in the kitchen, Dad was in the, the living room. Mum watched this black and white portable TV that David had bought um, in the kitchen. Never left the kitchen, basically. Um, and Dad would be in the living room. And I took her out, Mum was in her usual seat at the table. Um, and I go, look, look at that. Um, Mum was out of it, Mum didn't know what was going on. You know, was she on medication? The doctor had come up and give her something, yeah. And I go, do you see what that woman's going through? 
And you want me to say, I ah, said, so Mother and Mother coming through that? No. Sorry, boys, but it's up to any doubt. There's to be no retaliation. Um, I got the word through the media. In fact, it was. I remember talking to Marlene Jefferson, Podrester. Marlene was the mayor. We have known Marlene Jefferson for years. Again, I knew Marlene through the unions, but Jim, Dad had done work for Jim. So we got the word out. I got the word out. The family had wished no retaliation. Do you remember if. There was nothing. Pe- 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 you know, the Daily Journal, the Sentinel carried that? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know what happened. Um, but we put it out that we didn't want retaliation. To my knowledge, there was nothing carried out over that period, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, if anything was, it wasn't done in our name. The anger was at the. If I'd have got those, you know, if I'd have got those people there and then, then certainly maybe I would have done something. So um, what might you have done? But I mean, to, to, I don't know. I don't know. You know, but to 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 go and take somebody's life for the sake, it wouldn't bring David back. No matter what was done, it wouldn't bring him back. You know, no more would he walk through the door. Um, you know, uh, no more would you see the carry on. I got written out the front. I'll go out the back door. Uh, you know, various things they got. You know that he had a heart of gold. He was, you know, he was. We had their fights. All family have your fights. You know, but my mum, mum never got over it. My mother. He, he he bought that black and white TV. He bought the black and white TV for my mother Christmas present. Aye, she kept that. She kept that. That that thing was fixed. It couldn't be fixed no more. Um, when she eventually agreed to a new TV, it had to be a black and white one. David came home at a half past twelve for his lunch. You could see my mum looking up at the clock at the kitchen, half past twelve. She had walked up from Keys. She had come up from Keys. Or drove up. Maybe. Or drove up. Um, Ten to six at night. Look at the clock. You know, you, you could see it. You know that she never. Dad never got over either. My dad never got over. Um, I think the hardest part was uh, having to decide what type of grave we would have for him. Um, we knew it was going to be a military funeral. That was the we agreed to have a military funeral that the UDR would bury. Um, it would be a civilian funeral to the church. Um, which which church? Glendermott at the top of Church Bray. Yeah. Um, most of our services were held in that church, whether for Presbyterians or Church of Ireland. It was because we couldn't, we belonged, our own church was Claremont Presbyterian. It would have taken a, a battalion to safeguard. to safeguard, which they were prepared to do, because David always says, if something ever happens to me, I want buried in Claremont and I want buried in the city cemetery. Because we have a family plot in the city cemetery. Um, but you actually we would have we would have we couldn't I mean obviously you couldn't bury him in the city cemetery it wasn't going to happen Protestants felt that even visiting the city cemetery we, we felt intimidated we couldn't go and visit our loved ones my grandmother we couldn't bury my grandmother died in 85 we couldn't bury my grandmother in the city cemetery because we knew we couldn't get to visit the grave 
because it would be unsafe for us to go and try and visit a grave. Um, and as a result, more and more bodies were actually buried in, in the waterside. Um, we couldn't use Claremont as, as, a, as a church because it would have taken a, a full battalion of troops just to guard so uh, and, and keep them with tradition. We had a civilianized funeral from home to the church. Um, <coughs> I can remember there was that many people who wanted to pay the respects of massive funeral. We carried the coffin. The coffin was carried practically right down from our house to the bottom of Wapping Lane. We had enough people to carry the coffin the full way. We could have carried that. We could have walked the coffin the full way to the church and church right. There was that many people wanted to do it, um, but we, we just we just didn't. You know, we wanted to get everybody away and safe. And we had the funeral service, and the UDR took over from the church, and he was given full military honours. At the graveside, the shots were fired. Did you welcome that? Did you give you a yeah, I mean, he died. He died. He died because of what he was. He was a soldier. He was. He died. He may have been civilian clothes when he died, but he was. He was. He was a soldier. He died because he was shot because he was a member of the British Army. Therefore, he deserved a military send off. I wasn't born a soldier. I wasn't born a member of the UDR. I was born my brother. That was it. We're born a member of the UDR. We're born our brother. We're born our son.